Francis Frazier. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Curry, way down to Bang! Bang! Gives it to Jenkins for the What is up, Real Sports fam? Welcome to episode two of the Real Underscore podcast, a sports Snapchat pod. On this episode, we're going to talk NBA Finals. Of course, is KD back? Can the Warriors come back to win this finals? We'll touch on DeMar DeRozan, Carson Wentz's questionable contract extension, answer some fans' questions in the Monday mailbag, and a whole lot more. So get ready for the pod. I'm your host, Jack Settleman, from the account on Snapchat, Real underscore Sports, Real underscore Sports. With me today is my co-host and longtime best friend, Abe Granoff. Abe, how are you doing on this Sunday night? Hey, hey. What up, Jackson? What up, Real Sports Familia? Episode two, we got a lot in store for you guys. Let's have some fun. Awesome. So... The random player of the night, meaning if you message me on Snap, this special player, I will add you back. It is Hidu Turkoglu, the champion of the East over LeBron James in uh, the past. Abe, any comments on Hidu Turkoglu? Don't leave him open in the corner. That's all I got to say. That's a fact. All right. Hopping into it. So on every Saturday, I post a trivia question on my Snap story. This is coming as a surprise to Abe. I didn't prep him for this. So if the Warriors win the finals, uh, Kawhi will most likely be finals MVP. He's about minus 650 in Vegas to win. So he's a lock to win if the Raptors win. Two other players have won finals MVP for two different teams. Kawhi would become the third. He won with the Spurs. He would win with the Raptors. Abe, can you name the two other players to win finals MVP with two different teams? The first answer is LeBron James. That's simple. He won it in Miami. He won it in Cleveland. Why don't you give the the listeners the second one, Jack? The second is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He actually won it under the name Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Lakers and the name Lou Alcindor for the Bucks. So I don't know if that fully qualifies, but that is the answer to your Saturday trivia. But let's hop into the NBA Finals. We got some exciting news today. Kevin Durant practicing for the Warriors. Abe, you predicted that he will be out for the series because now I'll call you Dr. Abe until he returns. But do you think he comes back? And we will get into the impact that he'll make if he does. Well, thank you for referring to me as Dr. Abe because I have been spot on in all of my predictions revolving Kevin Durant. And uh, I have no reason to veer away from those predictions. Um, I saw today that he is questionable. He practiced today. I also saw that he was the first one off the court during the practice and that the Warriors did not stay on the court for too long during practice. Um, I have no reason to believe that he's going to play. This is the first time we've seen him on the court playing basketball, doing anything. No word on how he's feeling, calf, Achilles, whatever you want to call it. We all know how how I feel that it's an Achilles. Um, And even if he does come back, Jack, I'm sorry, this thing is over. It's done. The people in Toronto are going to be drinking maple syrup on the street, parading, having a good time, and bringing the first championship to Toronto. This thing is a wrap. I I think that uh, – so apparently he went through private scrimmaging on before game four, 
And it was more of a setback than an encouraging note. So I thought he was going to be done for the series. And then there's a report about two hours before the report that he's going to practice that like he's sitting out and he's not rushing back and his teammates are pretty disappointed in him. Did you buy into any of that report? I'm buying into all of it. Wow. I think I think Kevin Durant knows what's ahead of him at the end of this finals, knows he's leaving, whether he goes to New York, LA, he's out in my opinion. And he doesn't he doesn't, what does he need to play for to validate his greatness? He came, he won two finals MVPs, he won two rings for the Warriors. I think the injury is way more severe than we're hearing and I think everything that we're hearing in the media is a smokescreen just to throw the Raptors off to have them plan a little differently, whether they know if he's playing, if he's not, they're going to adjust defensively. And I'm not buying into any of it. Once I see Kevin Durant take the court and I hear Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, and the crew start talking live on television, then I'll buy into Kevin Durant. But until that ball tips, trust me, I went through it as a Sixers fan with Joel Embiid. You never know. They're throwing out false reports all the time, and you never know when they're going to until they're going to play, if they're going to play, until five minutes before the game, if they're in the layup lines, if they're taking the court. So until I see Kevin Durant there, as far as I'm concerned, he's out and the Warriors are going to have to go without him. So the only reason why I bought into the report a little was because think about this for Durant, right? He gets told he's not needed. He's told all year it's Steph's team. They can win without him. They sweep Portland to go to the finals. And then he sits out. And what is the time hypothetically, based on the report that he was sitting out and not rushing back, that he's choosing to come back, it's when he's in another win-win situation. He literally cannot lose. He comes back, plays well, and they lose. Well, it wasn't his fault. They lost the four games before him. He comes back and they win. He's the hero. He rides to New York City on the backs of, of all the people cheering him on. But I just want to make an incredible NBA theory If anyone believes the league could be rigged, if anyone wants to believe that this is the perfect script that the NBA has ever orchestrated, Kevin Durant is up 3-1 while he's on Oklahoma City. And what happens? They lose the series. Okay, so then Golden State goes on to the finals. What happens there? They go up 3-1. LeBron James, the hero, brings the title to Cleveland. And what do we have now? The full circle of life, Kevin Durant, being up 3-1, he's a snake, but what's he do? He made his decision to come to the Warriors to make them a dynasty, to make them a champion. He comes back 3-1. They reel off three in a row. I mean, would that not be too picture perfect? Yeah, but I think the only caveat in there that's the difference between the Cavs coming back and the Warriors is that Kevin Durant is not LeBron James. He has never been LeBron James. He's not LeBron James currently. And even if he does come back, and he's, he could be fully healthy tomorrow, and the Warriors will not win this series. You know why? Because they have not given me – I know Kevin Durant has been out and like he's a huge part of their team, blah, 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 blah. But they have not been playing Warriors basketball. They average, what, 12 turnovers a game in the regular season. They're putting up 15 – they're playing sloppy basketball, turning the ball over 15-plus times in these games. They're not getting back in transition. They're being killed in transition defense the entire series. This isn't the Warriors that we've seen the entire time. And people are making it out to seem like the Warriors are winning this series, are losing this series, rather than the Raptors are winning this series. And I don't think Toronto is getting enough credit for how well they're playing. They have been everywhere on defense, suffocating right at the, right the second the ball gets to uh, any player on the court. They're right in their face. I mean, granted, there's a lot less attention. They can focus more attention on Steph and 
Clay, whether he's injured or not, um, because Kevin Durant's on the court. But Toronto is playing fantastic basketball. And you, more than anyone, know how high I've been on the Raptors all season and how I thought they were the best team in the East, and they've showed, well, whatever, four battles <laughs> Sixers. But they're playing like the best team in the East, and they're playing like they are the NBA champions. Kawhi Leonard is not afraid of any moment. Sure, he had a shaky first half last game. What do you do in the beginning of the second half, knowing that they were down four at the time and had to come back with a big impact? Came out, hit a huge three, went down the other side of the court, got a steal, hit another huge three. Fred Van Fleet, after the game, said he it, it were two big FU shots coming out of coming out of the gate. Yeah. And a guy like that, he's not going to shy away from the moment. And even if even if it goes to six, seven, Kawhi Leonard's demeanor is not going to change throughout. And I think that's the difference maker. And that no matter what, the Raptors are still going to win this series. You saw it as they won game four, went back to the locker room. Nobody was smiling. Nobody was celebrating this win. They just wanted to handle business and keep going. And I think they're going to do it. They're going to come out. They're going to show. And I think this is over tomorrow night. I, I definitely agree that there will be no asterisk asterisk for the title. Like it was a completely clean series yesterday and went down, but the Raptors are dominating the series. Where I do disagree with you is I think if Durant's a hundred percent, which I find it hard to believe he would be tomorrow, if he's one hundred percent, the series is now a fifty fifty shot to me. Because fifty fifty. Fifty fifty shot because the Raptors get three heads or tails at it. So, sorry. What did you say? Flip a, flip a coin. Heads or tails, 50-50. 50 Toronto on one side, Golden State, please. Flip a coin because you have two factors. I know they have been on phase, like you talked about. They're calm demeanor, even demeanor. But you get one in Toronto, right? You always say, get one in Toronto, one game at a time. You think they're losing game six in Golden State. I see no shot. And then the pressure's back on them in seven. The, the thing about this Warriors team versus others in the past, like, if the Raptors had done this to the Harrison Barnes teams, I, I get why the series is over. But this team was built around having superstars. And when you remove the scoring superstar and you're left with like McKinney and Quinn Cook and all these guys who literally cannot score the basketball. Like it is the I don't even know how they're in the NBA. It's it's kind of mind blowing. But you add back a 30 point per guy, that's what they're missing. And an elite defender who can guard Kawhi. This is all contingent on him being 100% healthy. If he's hobbled and, and he can't guard Kawhi and Kawhi can lock him down, obviously series is over. But on the idea that he's 100%, like you said, if he comes back, this is a 50-50 shot. You, you remind me of myself from last year. Um, and now I'm realizing how stupid I sounded coming <laughs> hearing it out of your voice. When the Sixers were down 3-1 against Boston, and I said – don't let us get that game five. Do not let us game get that game five or this thing. We've got a series. And now I realize how stupid I sounded. So I thank you for that. The Raptors are going to win this series. I think they're closing it out tomorrow with or without Kevin Durant, even if he comes back. You, you mentioned something how there's no shot they'd win a game six in Golden State. But you probably would have said the same thing about the Raptors. You'd say it's impossible that they would take both in Golden State in three and Correct. four which they did. So there's no reason to believe that they can't win another one in the Oracle. There's literally one reason, and his name is Kevin Durant. Like, that is the reason. He's the – whatever we want to do with our rankings, he's a top player in the league. He's been the finals MVP back-to-back -back years. And I think the part that's underrated is 
It's not that it's Durant that's coming back. It's that he is the piece that they're missing, the scoring that they're missing, and defending the current finals MVP. So I think it's a 50-50. I'm not saying anything uh, on the series, but if he's 100%, like if they somehow come out with a report that Durant is good to go and is clear to play and will play his, you know, his ass off, I'm taking the Warriors. I think they'll win the series. With or without Kevin Durant, they won't have the best player on the court. Kawhi Leonard is the yeah. second best player on planet Earth. Congratulations, Canada. It's coming home. Oh, that's a miserable jinx. Speaking of Canada, is our good friend, not really our good friend, but I would like to be friends with him, DeMar DeRozan. I, I just feel bad for him. Like, I saw I saw a meme. It was like, and I posted my story. It was, you know, DeMar DeRozan died for this. And he, he truly did. Like, Lowry got to stay and be part of the title team, uh, hopefully for Toronto. Do you feel any bad for, for DeMar? Hell no. <laughs> he just got paid in San Antonio. He's living a fine life in Texas, whatever. He's still got buddies on the team. They were never winning with him. We all know that. His kryptonite was LeBron, their whole kryptonite. This is what the Raptors needed to do. And I don't feel bad for DeMar DeRozan. He's doing. He's playing under the, the be, one of the best coaches of all time in Greg Popovich, getting some great basketball knowledge. He played really well this year. For uh, his, in my opinion, the Spurs exceeded expectations and had a great season. Yeah. And who knows? They got Dejounte Murray coming back next year. I think they're going to be a good team. I do not feel bad for Demar Derozan because of the paycheck he receives. So Derozan allegedly, according to Windhorse, could get traded this off season. Any uh, locations you would kind of be interested in? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Could he be like? Who do you have? I think you keep him in the state of Texas, send him to Dallas with Luca and Kristaps, and that could be a fun, a fun trio of players. Do I think Kristaps may stay there after next year? I don't know. We'll see about that. But that that's an interesting three piece. Do I think that wins a championship? Absolutely not. But it's still gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> well, what about in a couple of years? It could, you know. Nah. What about what about uh, Atlanta? I, I just don't – do you think he'll ever be the number one player on a championship team? I no, no sure. There's there, In my opinion, there's five-ish number one players on a championship team in the NBA. LeBron, it's Kawhi, it's KD, it's Giannis. Uh, we can throw Steph and Harden in there too, even though Harden's a perennial loser. Yeah, he is. Um, and so now we move on to – have you noticed – Anything with Nick Nurse out coaching Kerr. So just to take you back to that OKC series, uh, Stephen A is on first take and he's ranting about how it's very simple. Billy Donovan, a rookie coach, is out coaching Steve Kerr. He makes some tactic changes. They come back, win the series. But so far in the series, I just see Nurse out coaching Kerr constantly. Have you noticed anything to that? To that too? Uh, I. I... I don't want to attribute it to coaching and take anything away from what Nick Nurse is doing. He's doing a fantastic job. Um, but I'm just I'm going to chalk it up to personnel. Like, look at the guys that the Warriors are throwing out there. Jonas Jarekpo, whatever the heck his name is. Alfonso McKinney. Like, Steve Kerr just doesn't have the guys. And they can the Raptors can focus all their attention to Steph Curry. And one thing that Nick Nurse is doing that I like, he's doing this thing with Steph Curry – where he, when someone comes up on a pick and roll, he's screening them. He's switching the screens, but then he's throwing a different look right away when Steph Curry thinks that they're switching, and then he just double teams and blitzes Steph Curry, and it's throwing everything off for Steph. 
Granted, Steph's been having a great series. He put up 47 in that game three. It wasn't enough, obviously. But I'm not going to go as far to say that Nick Nurse is fully out coaching Steve Kerr, given what Steve Kerr has to work with. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm just a huge fan because Nick Nurse has his own branded hats that he wears to every press conference. So Have you seen those? They're amazing. Yeah. It's just it's just initials. It's not a hat. Yeah, but great logo from Nick Nurse. So shout out to Nick Nurse. All right. So he looks like, he looks like a kid from Stuart Little. <laughs> yeah, he does. We know that. Um, so Carson went – so just so that people know, obviously we've talked a ton of NBA on the podcast – the idea of the pod is just keep up with the current news and what's being talked about in the news. So uh, Carson Wentz was just extended. Abe will read the numbers. Abe, obviously being our resident diehard Eagles fan. Abe, thoughts on the extension and what was the contract extension? Pay the man. Plain and simple. Carson got his deal. He was always going to get his deal. I hate that I'm looking, looking on Eagles Twitter saying, how are you going to pay this guy this much with all the injuries? Get off my timeline. Carson got a four-year, $128 million Ooh. contract extension that includes $107 million guaranteed. And yes, this guy did have a serious injury in college, a serious injury in the NFL, and the total deals rounding out about six years, $154 million, and I love every bit of it. You know why? Because... By trading Nick, when the second the Eagles traded up in the draft to get Carson Wentz, they were sold on him. This was their guy for the future, no matter what. He came out, he showed promises in his rookie year. He did show his rookie struggles. Then what do you do in year two? He came out and was an MVP, probably the the odds-on favorite for MVP at the time until he went down against the Rams. Then Nick Foles comes in, has some Nick Foles magic. We go on, you know the rest of that story. And then Carson comes out this year. He's shaky on and off, but. That's going to happen after you come off a torn ACL. And then you hear reports he's dealing with a back injury, all this stuff. Nick Foles comes in, does his thing once again. But Howie Roseman and the Eagles front office the entire time have been adamant that Carson Wentz is their guy going forward. So if you truly believe that, I understand the concerns about injury and paying a guy this much. But if you truly believe that he's your guy going forward and he has shown promises of being a franchise quarterback, then you have to pay him and you have to pay him now. Because as we've seen in the NFL, it's a copycat league. If you let the Rams go out there and pay Jared Goff, and you let the Cowboys go out there and pay Dak Prescott before you, before you pay Carson, then Carson's money is only going to have to increase in his contract. He's going to say, I'm worth X amount more than these guys, etc. And now we're going to see Goff get his extension, Dak get his extension. Oh, I hope Dak gets his extension. I hope, I hope. And it'll probably be more than Carson. And the reason I love doing it right now rather than next year is because next year Pat Mahomes is going to break the bank. He might get a $200 million contract and we're seeing it in the NFL. Every quarterback that continues to get paid, it's just more and more the franchise quarterback because that's what they demand. It's, it's the most important position in sports and it brings that kind of money. I think eventually you might even see quarterbacks starting to get paid MLB player style numbers upwards of the 200 300 million, not 300 million, but it's just going to keep getting crazier. And the Eagles did it at the right time. They did it early. Carson could have said no, but knowing that he has this injury injury history, he wanted to capitalize on his money right away. It worked out for both teams. I'm excited. If you don't pay him, there's this, there's this angst in the locker room about, is he our guy going forward? Say he goes down with something this year, God forbid. 
then what do you do? You have Nate Sudfeld and this guy Thorson battling out in training camp to see, shoot, do we have to pay these guys? But I love what Howie did. I love the deal. Even if you average out the rookie deal that he's currently on and the extension, it brings it out to about what, like 26 and a half, 27 million over the annual value over the next six years. I love it. We got our guy and he's going to lead us back to the promised land. He's going to do what Nick did and we're ready to go. It's a great vibes in Philadelphia right now. I'm going to need someone to check the math from our Penn State alum who just on the spot calculated his uh, per year contract factored into the extension. If you, no, no, no. If you consider the rookie contract he's playing on these next two seasons, I'm, it averages up to about $26.5, $27 million a year. And you did that on the fly is what I'm saying. Well, I've seen it on Twitter uh, a few times. Okay. Yeah. All right. So maybe I was giving you – you should have just taken the credit then. That's That's your fault. I'm not a math guy. <laughs> um, my thoughts on the Wentz extension, I was I was in on Wentz. His rookie year, like you said, good year. His sophomore year, MVP level. Um, I mean, his team went to the Super Bowl. He would have been there, assuming he stayed healthy. And then last year, I get the struggles when he was back, but he never really looked the same. It gives me a little worry. But like you said, you just have to pay these quarterbacks. You have to, do it. You have to pay them. And – at least you can say we're paying Wentz because he's played at an MVP level. You can argue, and I'm sure both of us would argue, even though you'll want him to get the extension, but someone like Dak. So there's this there's this level of quarterbacks. Obviously, you have the Tier 1, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, who you're paying them no matter what. And then you have the Tier 2, which is like kind of a Wentz. And they're in this this same thing with Goff, but I think you'll pay Goff. Don't you dare put Dak Prescott in Tier 2. Don't you dare. No, 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 no. No shot. But then you can kind of translate it to the NBA, and it's like D'Lo, right? He's a max player just because of the run of the league and the salary cap. But, like, should you really pay him? Should you pay Tobias? And then should you super max Kemba? So that's more of the conversation to me. Wentz, totally. Give him the extension. Also, like you said about how you're just going to pay more if you wait. The Sixers did it with Embiid. Um, it, it works out in the long run. So to dive into the Monday mailbag and keep this conversation going, Preet Dude asked, uh, Wentz is back. He's expected to be the best quarterback in the division. What are your, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are your expectations for him this season? Um, and is he obviously the best quarterback in the division? I mean, he's hands down the best quarterback in the division. I don't even want to get into the New York Giants. That's just a waste of our listeners' time. Um, the only person that we have to consider, I'm not – Haskins is going to be good, or Case Keenum, whoever goes for them, whatever, is Dak. Um, I don't think Dak is nearly as good as the Cowboys are going to pay him to be, and I, I'm glad that they view him so highly because I get to see him for the next X amount of years. Um, I'm expecting big things out of Carson. From what I've seen in OTAs and minicamp, he's there's no knee brace on. He's just wearing a leg sleeve. He's looking good. He's had good numbers. He came out shaky the first practice, but ever since, him and Deshaun Jackson are building this relationship that should flourish in our offense. Um, in my opinion, we have the best weapons all around in the NFL with our backfield and Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders we just drafted out of Penn State, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and then we've got – two elite tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. So there's really no excuses for Carson. Um, I'm going to say right now that I'm not going to give him any excuses, <laughs> but just wait until week 10 when things might be a little up in the air and I might be throwing out an excuse or six. But 
expecting big things out of this team. Um, there's nothing short of a division title we should be getting. Um, a first round buy is very well in the in the mix, and I think we Super Bowl or bust in my opinion, and I think we can do that. Uh, Super Bowl or bust, high expectations, but fair ones. You've been deep in the playoffs the past two years. You you should walk to a division title. Uh, yeah, I mean he's definitely the best quarterback in that division. I think the only narrative to touch on here is like some Cowboys fans love Dak. I don't really see the appeal. One of my best friends, Dave Velasco, uh, he's a Cowboys fan and despises Dak Prescott. And I think there's just a 50-50 split in that fan base. They're kind of fighting between, you know, he's like good enough to be a franchise quarterback, but not good enough to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. And the only quarterback to really do that, outside of Foles, because that's like a really strange one-off, I would say is Joe Flacco. He just caught absolute fire in our Super Bowl run. But you look past, or you look in the past, and it's like it's Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, Roethlisberger, all of them. You need the star quarterbacks to win, and I don't think Dak really ever reaches there. The thing about Dak is um, his productivity thus far in the NFL has been to a level where now Dallas doesn't have a choice but to pay him. You're not going to go back to the drawing board and pick a quarterback. Whether you think this guy can win you a Super Bowl or not, he's shown somewhat of being a competent to above average quarterback in the NFL and now Dallas is back is against the wall and they're inevitably gonna have to pay him and Dak is gonna Colin Coward did something with like two blind resumes and one was clearly better than the other and you revealed it and it was Dak and Carson but I and Dak was better than Carson by the numbers but I think we can both agree that Carson is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott would you agree yeah I think that like you're saying it's that he can put up the numbers but he can't win right. 12 games well he did he did win those games he won with rookie year. yeah but he just for a string of three games to win a Super Bowl you have to be excellent and he's a, he is a winner and he is a game manager like he has everything but does he have enough to win a Super Bowl it's a team sport so who knows but I don't say it We'll say it's a great question, by the way, by our yeah. listener. Pre-dude, good job. All right, and now before we continue, let's hear a word from our sponsors. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders, no matter where you're selling. Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and most importantly, keep those customers of yours happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial today without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the the number one choice of online sellers. We'll ship more in less time with the best rates on the market. Just go ahead and visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, and then enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, guys, we've got an important announcement to make. Blue Wire's teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, 
rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just three bucks, shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were so tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for almost 100 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's by claiming your trial offer at harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. All right. Ethan Warren, 09. Is this the end of the Warriors dynasty uh, if they lose to Toronto? I'll go. I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I'm not. I'm gonna say that the answer is no, um, and that's with or without KD. Say KD leaves, I still think they have a chance to be a top team in the NBA. In my opinion, um, a dynasty. You've won championships in the past, and you continue to contend for a championship. You look at a team like the San Antonio Spurs. I think we can all agree that they're a dynasty. Mm-hmm. They never won back-to-back championships, so you don't have to necessarily keep repeating and repeating championships. But just being in the mix of it and being at the talks at the end is what I view as being a dynasty. And if you keep that core together of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, which I imagine they will, you get Kevin Durant's, what, 30-odd million off the books. Mm-hmm. And you have that championship pedigree. You have Steve Kerr coaching. You have that, that new stadium, that new billion-dollar stadium. Free agent role players that can make a difference on a team. I'm just going to take Danny Green since he's in the series right now. He can be a great contributor to a championship team, and those are the pieces you need. That's what we're seeing with the Warriors right now, what they're missing. They're missing those key role players off the bench that can come in and give them 15 good minutes a night, and those and that's what we miss, miss with the Sixers. We didn't have that on the bench either. And I think they'll still have the attractiveness to free agents to come play for a championship pedigree team, and as long as you keep that core together, you can still stay in the mix for a championship and keep the dynasty going. Whether they continue to win championships or not is a whole different story, but they'll be in the mix, and that's how I view a dynasty. It's an excellent point with the Durant leaving to the Knicks. I think you said that. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you can fill the spots. And it's look at the Raptors team. They have one star. They have a secondary player. So you have Steph, then you have Clay, And then Draymond is probably better than a Marcus Gasol type. And if you fill those spots, like, that's why the Raptors have won all these games in the series is because, like, they had a Lowry night. Then they had a Van Vliet night. Then Ibaka night in game four. Like, if you have competent role players, you can. But to answer Ethan's question, I think it is the end of the Warriors dynasty because I, I think KD leaves. And I don't mind your point about being in the conversation. But what truly makes a dynasty to me, and they've been a dynasty, but what will continue to be a dynasty is if they win one more championship. So the Spurs would go, like you said, years without winning, but they would replace these guys. So like Duncan's retiring and whatever, these guys are leaving. And I just think you need that one title. Kawhi kind of filled into that Duncan role of being a star. And I just don't see them winning another championship ever. Realistically, it's tough to predict that far in the future, but I think but my thing my thing is if you so you say you don't see them winning a championship again like, like in the next five years without 
they won a championship without Durant. Yeah, I just think that those guys have gone through too many minutes. I think that they've figured out how to fully defend that team, and they'd have to bring in some really unique pieces to redo it. I'm not saying, like you said, I do think they'll be one of the top teams in the league year in and year out while they have those guys. But like you also said earlier, you make a lot of good points, man. I'm really proud of you. Uh, there's only five guys in the league who can do it. You name Steph, but does he have enough if he doesn't have another star next to him? It's tough to say, um, but we'll we'll see. It'll be an exciting thing. I think just the coolest part is that if the Warriors dynasty ends, is this the end of the true super team, like the three stars and just fill the roster out? And do we see the more teams take on the Raptors mentality, the Nuggets mentality, uh, if the Blazers had another player, like a full squad who can go seven or eight deep because no one's using a full bench anymore in the playoffs, like the bench shortens. Is this the end of super teams as we know? I, I don't think that's true. I think um, super teams and building one, let's just throw one out there, like a Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler yeah. team. It just places that much of an emphasis on you have to hit on your late first round draft picks. That's something the Sixers didn't do in the past. You see guys like Furkan Korkmaz, um, who just don't give you any productivity. And that's you have to hit on these guys late in the first round that can come in off the bench and give you solid minutes on a small contract. Because at the end of the day, if you're paying these stars, yeah, they're going to get you to the 50, 60 wins and the second and third scene in the conference. But in the playoffs, when you have a seven-game series to game plan and you can only – and the other team can focus on just four guys and not have to worry about the rest. That's where you're going to fall apart. And that's how you need to have those guys that can come in and be productive on small contracts. And those late first round picks for these championship contending teams are what makes the difference between if you can have a super super team that works or not, in my opinion. Well, that's a great transition into Coke's question, C-O-H-Q. Thank you for asking this question in the Monday mailbag. And he says, who is our sleepers in the NBA draft? The NBA draft is June 20th in Brooklyn. I hope to be in attendance in 11 days. It'll be my brother's birthday. You know, Casey, you can, you can come birthday, up. Case. You could come up big two zero for him. It's his golden year, as they say, if your birthday number falls on your age. Let's not talking about Casey. <laughs> yeah, who cares about him? So who's your sleeper in the NBA draft? And essentially, you know, who are you looking for the Sixers to grab at the end of the first round? This doesn't have to be necessarily Sixers routed, though I'd love for him to get taken by us. My sleeper coming out of this year's NBA draft is the point guard out of Purdue, Carson Edwards, who was a second team All-American this past year. I think his style of play fits the NBA perfectly. We saw him in the NCAA tournament going absolutely nuts, hitting from you're too old if you're if here's I want to say something about this. Everyone remembers Jimmer Fredette. Yep. And if you don't remember Jimmer Fredette, then this podcast might be a little too old for you. We called it Jimmer Range. The kids nowadays might be calling it Steph Range. Bottom line, he was pulling up from God knows where. His style of play, he's a catch and shoot guy. He can bring the ball up as well. He averaged twenty four and a half points per game this season, thirty five percent from three, forty forty percent from the field. He's just extremely productive, can come off screens, can be off ball. I think he fits the perfect uh, NBA pro style nowadays, just being able to come off screens, catch, and fire the ball. I expect big things out of him. Um, I think he'll fall somewhere into a bench role coming out of the draft, being that he's a 
four to 30 mock pick in this year's draft. But I think big things are coming from Carson Edwards. He's experienced in that he was a full four-year player at Purdue. Um, he has a high basketball IQ. I think he's going to come in and have a big impact on this league. So just hypothetically, if the Sixers got him, you know, it kind of replaces a Redick role. Any worries about him long-term defensively in the NBA with his height? I, I mean, yeah, of course you can say that his height can be a problem. I mean, look at other sports. People are saying Kyler Murray's height, whatever. But, I mean, it's too early to tell. You bring a guy in, you teach him the NBA, you, you how it's played, um, and it, it comes to him naturally over the years. I don't I, – trust me, I don't want Carson Edwards to come in and be an, our starting shooting guard on night one next year. But to be a seventh and eighth man in his rookie year, sure. And then he can develop eventually being a starting guard. Um, I'm not going to look too much into his height. And I, I think I think he's going to have a very promising NBA career. If you could just combine Zaire Smith – defense with Carson's shooting. That would be quite... Kobe Bryant. <laughs> uh, my sleeper in the draft is a UNC player, Cam Johnson. He's also projected second half of the first round. Average 17-6 and six at UNC. Shot at 45... 46% from three, 50% from the field. I mean, 46% from three is just nutty. Um, yeah. Really long guy. He's 6'9", 210". Uh, a three and D guy potentially. The one downside to him and why people are picking him late, which is why I think he's the ideal sleeper, is that uh, he's 23 years old entering the draft. He will be older than Aaron Gordon when he uh, plays on night one, and Aaron Gordon will be entering the sixth season, which is crazy. But that's exactly why I think he's a great sleeper and would be perfect for a championship team or you know a team that went deeper in the playoffs to just fill into an eighth man, ninth man, come off the bench, hit some threes, play some good D, and grab some good minutes. Do you have anything on no, Cam? Did you watch I, I love that pick with Cam Johnson. I think he's probably one, probably the best shooter coming out of this draft. Um, and you, like I said, you look at the guys that are getting drafted late in the first round, like a Pascal Siakam. He didn't come in right away, and he wasn't the Pascal Siakam he is. He came in, he produced off the bench, which is what is asked of them. And then you eventually develop into that starting role. You draft these these older guys that are more experienced because these championship teams, it's not like they're these tanking teams going into next year that they need these guys' usage rate to be through the roof. No, they just need them to have productive minutes. Cam Johnson comes in, he's using some corner threes. I think that's a great pick, and I think he's going to have a great career. Yeah, I really like him. I hope that, uh, I mean, he would be perfect for the Sixers. He'd be perfect for the Bucks. It'd be perfect a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But that wraps up episode two of the Real Underscore Sports Snapchat podcast. Please rate us five stars on the iTunes store. Follow us on Spotify. Thank you to Blue Wire for producing and putting together this uh, this podcast. Um, I'm signing off. I'm your host, Jack Settlement. Please follow me on Snapchat, Real Underscore Sports. And from Abe, Boardman gets paid.